there are some things that you can just show up for for certain fights. But long-term work and long-term systems change. Relationships are really important. Taking the time to get to know one another is so critical. Welcome to today's episode of a new sub-series of the podcast, Who Belongs? The Othering and Belonging Institute, with financial support from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, is developing a series of podcasts to capture examples of bridging to belonging. We want a world where everyone belongs. So how do we get there? The answer, bridging. Throughout the series, we will talk to leaders implementing bridging work and individuals who have experienced their bridging transformation. My name is Miriam Magaña Lopez, and I will be hosting today's episode. Today, we will be speaking with Nana Karantama and Ife Afrie, two of the leaders of The Wind and the Warrior. The Wind and the Warrior are a collective that creates and guides programs for artists, activists, spiritualists, and healer practitioners to co-learn and integrate indigenous and ancestral traditions in healing and justice work. In June 2020, The Wind and the Warrior, in partnership with the Gulf Coast Center for Law and Policy, launched a sacred waters pilgrimage. Leaders, cultural bearers, and community members traveled to seven locations along the Mississippi River. The pilgrimage began at the headwaters of the Mississippi River, and six months later ended in Louisiana, where the Mississippi runs into the Gulf of Mexico. The purpose of the sacred waters pilgrimage was to create intentional space and time to cultivate and heal relationships between Black and Native peoples, and between humans and Mother Earth. In our conversation today, Nana Karantama and Ife Afrie will share how strangers became family in the course of six months. Thank you so much for your time joining us in this conversation. In a previous conversation with your sister, Karma Mayette, it was identified that this journey is to bridge relationships. The first is to bridge the relationship between Black and Native peoples, and the second is to bridge the relationship between humans and Mother Earth. Can you talk more about this? The relationships between Black and Native Indigenous people has um, is, is kind of, is varied and nuanced and has been throughout history. Um, there are moments in history and there are relationships between Black folks and various uh, Native nations that have been, um, you know, reciprocal in, in nature where, where um, folks work together, fought alongside one another, um, where Native nations have embraced Black people who are ex escaping the system of enslavement and provided, you know, home and family and community. There have been moments in history where um, Native Indigenous folks have enslaved African people. There have been moments where Black people have hunted Native uh, Americans. So, so there's a whole lot there that's in our history that is in need of naming and is, is in need of healing and repair. And so the part of the journey that was around healing relationships between Black and Native folks was to really to recognize the ways that that we've been in and in one another's lives in different ways and in some of the ways they've been harmful we've we've hurt one another 
And so part of this journey was around naming that and healing those parts that, that need healing. Um, and it's not, we didn't have the expectation, nor is it even possible to do like a, like one journey and then everything is, is, is done. All the healing is done that is, is needed. But, um, but what it, it did do is it for us moving in this journey in this time, this moment in history and within our generation, it allowed for us to, um, to, to, to recognize um, this history, these histories and to be able to engage in ceremonies that with um, native indigenous folks that um, in and of themselves without using a whole lot of language and words allows for us to really connect on levels where healing can, can begin to happen. So, so that's something, that's what I would say or maybe add or elaborate around that question. Um, and then with healing the earth, I would say that, um, you know, similarly, humans and uh, all, all humans, us as uh, Black folks, um, as earth people, as um, people who live and practice in Indigenous African traditions and spirituality, we recognize that over time, across time and space, we've We've not been just in our relationship with earth and with the waters and either directly or indirectly because of the systems of destruction that we're born into, we've helped to um, perpetuate the, the pollution of the waters and the airs and, you know, by being born into societies where we need certain things um, and grow up in our, our families and communities to think that there are, that that certain products are the things that we need in order to live and the production of those products is harmful to the earth. And it, it, there's just so much that could be said about this, but this was a way in this journey for us to, to also um, play a role and do our part in, in, again, this moment in history and with our generation. Um, to make amends, to seek the wisdom of, of the waters, to seek the healing energies of the water and to invite the water, the trees and the land um, at each site to also bear witness and, and be in community and ceremony with us as we're um, in community and ceremony with uh, communities that we were meeting along the way. What's rising for me with both questions um, or both ideas is really self-love. And through that, I mean, it is through self-love that we're demonstrative intergenerationally. So that as we're moving through and doing this work, there are those who are watching us. My daughter is watching us. Ife Afriye's daughter was present, you know, as was my daughter, as were a lot of other daughters, daughters, daughters. And there has to be opportunity to mend, uh, to dispel the myths, to begin the healing processes, um, to build upon the relations that have already been built upon, um, to really kind of help 
create our part of the road, if you will. Someone else brought forth stones, someone else positioned. Here we are adding our part, you know, adding mortar and uh, filling in some of the gaps. So all of that is really, especially now in these times that we're witnessing, um, self-love in its purest. You know, we hear it coined as radical self-love, you know, because it's so extreme from how we've been raised. Uh, much of what my sister spoke to is totally opposite of the movements that we were undertaking in. And our godmother, who's also our spiritual advisor, one of our spiritual advisors shared with us, um, you know, be mindful that you are healing in a year of death. Mm. And I don't think that really hit any of us until she said it, you know, and all that's associated with us, with that even being chosen ones to do this work. Mm -hmm. And so by the same token, that's reflective uh, with our relationship with the earth, because we're all needed to help create and cultivate. We're all care caretakers, we're all guards. We're all needed to cultivate the love and honor that the earth so lovingly, unconditionally give to us. And now when it's being depleted, it's our right, it's our responsibility, it's our role as stewards to bring forth. And this has been an amazing opportunity to honor the water and honor the water and community and learn so many amazing lessons from the water. It is great that you're working to bridge native and black women through this journey. From the way that you're describing the need to do this work, it appears that maybe the breaking dynamic between black and native women is the lack of reconciliation for ancestors and current individuals own actions towards one another. Can you talk more about this? I, I think partly, um, it's correct in that um, there's a there are ways that in our relationships there has been injustice as I've mentioned um, before and and so there there's healing for what we did to one another there's some work that's needed um, and around healing and <clears throat> the part that's not that's not included in that is the conditions that brought us together into this landmass and that um, the conditions that led to our um, put in oppositional relationship with one another. Um, so sometimes it is that people find themselves in a conflictual relationship, not so much because there's anything between them that, you know, is, um, is a, a conflict, but it's the condition that forces people into uh, a, a kind of false competition, a uh, elevation of uh, the value of one life over another that um, says, that forces, um, one group to cause harm to another group that in the, the, the theft of land, the, the murder of families and, and communities and children, the pain and the depression that ensues um, can you know really impact how people see one another or how people see others. Um, 
And so I would say the, the part of it, again, that's, that, that isn't in the, the answer to between us or isn't a part of what's happening between us is, is, is in the conditions that, we're, that put us in, this, in a relationship that is oppositional. And, and that, you know, led to the genocide and um, uh, over 90% on the Western hemisphere of, of native indigenous populations and uh, forcibly moved folks to, to uh, different homelands, different lands that they had to make home. And then the processes of enslavement of African people um, and, and not all African people were enslaved. There were some enslavers. It's a, they're like all of these dynamics, but these things happening within the historical processes that, um, so there's healing within that too. It's, it's a, a kind of healing that recognizes or that, that disaggregates, like what's the part that you and I have with one another that needs naming and healing and working on, uh, on that. And then what's the part of this that's attributed to um, the systems that led to our contact in this kind of way that then led to these dynamics to you know, happen between us. And so there's, there's a reckoning around that and there's, there's a, a work around that and even healing around that. It's like, I got caught up in this. I was an object and a subject and a victim at times and an actor at times in, in helping this destructive system to grow. Uh, and so there's that part of, of forgiveness and, and you know, recognizing that and detaching, you know, like a decolonizing of our minds and our practices and, and our relationships that's, that's needed. So, I don't know, it, it feels like I might have jumped around a little bit, but I think I was trying to draw out mm -hmm. the, the part of that. Yeah, and so then where there's bridging that's need, where the bridging piece is, is again, um, as we, you know, in bridging and, and rebuilding and, and healing with one another, it's also kind of like a, a, a rebridging and a healing that's necessary within ourselves and within our ancestors um, because so much happened that, that we didn't have a say over, you know, like all of this big thing happening and we might've had a say over this little piece, mm -hmm. which might've been over how we respond to somebody saying you, you can live or you die. If you live, you have to do this thing, you know? And so it's like the little piece of choice that we had it's also reckoning that that reality and then the, the part that we hold that doesn't belong to us or shouldn't belong to us, you know, there's, there's a releasing that's necessary and a healing that's necessary around that. To elaborate on this topic, is there also a contemporary tension or issue that this work is addressing or is it focusing on the healing of actions in the past? I think the actions and the his, history brought us to this point, but our intentions were around he, now, like our prayers were, were for now, you know, um, and it was sort of like a beginning, the first of seven journeys that we've, um, that we feel are 
so we didn't when when this came up it didn't come up as like once this one journey that we'll do and that'll be the end of it but it felt like the beginning of something that would take place over a few years so it's it's almost like the first the first journey was <clears throat> greeting and being in ceremony um, in the now with the people who are here but we're people here because of the people who came before us. And so, um, and then the next time it, we may sit down and talk longer. And, you know, th so there's like a more to, to dig in after we meet one another, you know? Um, and yeah, so, so, so even though it's history that kind of informed mm -hmm. uh, and the ancestors are with, you know, us, we're talking with one another now and we're working in the, in the prayers that are, are for now and in the future. What does being original culture bearers mean? And how is this a good basis for bridging in this type of work? At each of the stops, there were designated water bearers. Mm -hmm. um, and throughout history, there has been ritual ceremony done at the waters, honoring of the waters. Uh, and who were the first peoples to do that? But black and brown folks. So it would follow that as original culture bearers, we hold the traditions, we hold the the lessons we hold the traditions that um, that heal we teach those uh, moral codes you know we are the ones who move forth with the traditions the living griots if you will and that's done often with the water through the water because we recognize that uh, as one of the elders shared water is life so everything begins there everything's sourced from there what do you mean when you say ritual? What do you mean when you say ceremony? What is happening? Um, can you paint me a picture of a moment? So there's so many ways that one can engage in ritual. One could be the creation of an altar space, which the way we embraced it on our path um, was to create these sacred stations to honor whether it was ancestors, whether it was to honor the earth, uh, whatever intention or mission. So we then find elements to hone in that energy, energy field, um, utilizing nature. Um, it could be as simple as uh, flowers arranged with uh, sweetness to represent those spirits that like sweet that we want to call forth to help us in our, in our work. Um, specific flowers that have specific uh, medicinal value uh, that are arranged um, with other flowers that work in concert that also have medicinal value. Um, life force in the form of water, uh, crystals and or stones or shells or uh, whatever reps and agents who are helping to create the sacred space, uh, whatever folks are moved to bring forth representing each energy field, whether it's grounding, do we need to bind something? Do we need to release something? Do we need the way to be open? 
So really finding various conduits that we can put down in honor and grace with concert of all of these elemental forces to create an energy field in its own personal energy station. And it can be as elaborate like I shared, or I'm sorry, as simple like I shared, or as elaborate uh, as maybe a block long, all in the intention, all in the purpose. What would you add, sis? The ceremonies look different at different steps. And, um, and it might, in one place, um, like at, at the headwaters, we gathered with um, Elder Renee and um, Elder Jan and a group of, of ladies who are part of the, um, the nation. And, um, and, we, and so we circled up and they sung a song and we sung a song. Um, and I think we both did, we each did a dance. And then we uh, shared prayer. We made offerings to the water and, um, and then we exchanged gifts. Um, and, um, and so that's maybe, so there's variation throughout, but those are some of the main pieces of the ceremony, of, of ceremony that was carried throughout. There's also an element of um, water pouring. Um, and so, so we, uh, Nana Fofier brought water from the Gulf up to the headwaters and then we gathered water. So we left a little there with prayers and then we, had, we carried water from each stop, leaving a bit at each stop and, uh, and continuing all the way until the Gulf, until we reached the Gulf. And, um, and so these are, were are different elements of the ceremony. And what Nana um, Karantama was speaking to, actually she, she was speaking to a lot. Um, and, it, and one of the, the pieces of it was the um, altars that were created at each place. And there's an altar that stayed and one that was carried and then one that was put up and, and and taken down at, at each step. And so, um, and so that's, so these are some of the things around ceremony, but there wasn't a prescription either because part of it was defined by the folks we met along the way. And, um, and I would say part of the ceremony involved a greeting of elders and native folks in the places that we went and um, sharing our intention and asking permission. All of this, I think we could arguably be considered part of, Sarah, of the sacred um, journey. Maybe not technically in ceremony, but in a way, once we opened, it felt like we were in ceremony the entire seven, six months. Um, and then, so these are some of the pieces of it that, yeah, in addition to what Nana Karantama shared. Uh, another ritual that I wanted to share that we, that we embraced upon, and because we're working together prior to each stop, um, there are different specifics for each stop, different chakra areas, different affirmations, different um, 
postures even. Uh, so there were also different crystals or stones uh, that folks were really kind of connecting with and being intentional with, and then leaving in the earth at some point during the ceremony. So just again, ritual can be really quite simple. It's often sometimes about the intentionality. So yes. a way to honor the earth and kind of give back to the earth was to uh, return the crystal to the earth. Um, and folks were able to do that. And again, as my sister spoke to, none of these were prescribed um, prior to the stop before. It was really just about your intention because maybe you gave your stone to the water. Mm -hmm. No, but really honoring what uh, resonated for you around how to honor the land and the water. Yeah. You know, something I, um, I want to add to that I was thinking about now that Karatma, as you were sharing, is that there were folks who at each step along the way, we, we held the Gulf Coast Center for Law and Policy, Colette Pichon Battle, held a virtual space where we um, held a virtual ceremony and had kind of like a programmed experience as well with folks who were not able to physically participate in each of the steps, but joined, but were with, they were participating from their places. And, and it, was, it was in those virtual spaces that we came together and, um, and participated in conversation and, and prayer and ceremony with one another that uh, involved, so like each stop was, um, held its chakra place and there was a color and there was a, um, a, an herb that was designated for each stop. There was a, uh, an intention, um, a direction, like if we were focusing on inner or outer, uh, north, south, east, west. Um, and so all of those various pieces kind of came together, not just on the, the physical sites that we, um, that we visit, that we were on and, and um, participating and carrying out ceremony, but also in the virtual spaces with many women uh, Black and Native women around the country. And it was just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you can elaborate a little bit more about how the ceremony and the rituals were bridging stone or bridging bridges to form relationships or uh, strengthen relationships with other women involved. When I visit those occasions, What's arising for me in this moment is those presences and energies that are beyond words um, that bond one another, us to five minutes prior, folks who were strangers. Um, we're now lifelong connected in the ceremony. Um, recognizing that we were all vessels to do this work. Um, I was thinking about how at each of the stops, we were able to engage in um, water ceremony. As Kampo uh, Ife Afriye spoke to, there were specifics that were done at each of the stops. And one of those specifics was ceremony with the native, our native sisters 
uh, in some kind of ceremony at the water, at some part of the Mississippi, you know, and to be able to be in that space and hear the water speak and to see nature respond by its very presence and to see things that you don't normally see um, represent through the lens of totems, through the lens of spirit representation, um, through the lens of just the elemental forces and divinities presenting themselves um, and honoring that the language that they speak is far ancient than the words we're using. So forgive me if I don't have specific language to even try to grasp mm. how intense and beautiful the energy was that was that was cultivated just by our intention, just by our honoring our ancestry um, through prayer, through song, um, the conjurings of those energies, we will never leave them in our spirit. We will mm -hmm. all, always remember one another in ceremony in that way. There's something what you said triggered this memory when we were in, I think it might, it was Iowa um, by the railroad tracks with Daniela and Sikawas. Daniela shared with us the, the, the work that her community was doing where, where they purchased these acres of land. They're doing so much work to feed their people uh, through traditional ways, um, rebuilding economy in ways that are really are grounded in their in the old ways. And one of the things that that stood out to me that she shared is is one just how beautiful it was to have this connection to with for us to really be connecting with one another at this time um and for us to see her and see them and vice versa so it was like um it was like a like meeting family you didn't know that you had and the ceremony brought us together because it al allowed for, it was a language that we share. It's a language that we share through our traditions, our, our cultural traditions. And, um, and so we were able to come and sit together and in and, and moving with real intentionality and with a respect that both of our, that our, our spiritual traditions understand where we recognize their stewardship and their place as original inhabitants of this land that we come and we greet and you know we follow a particular set of protocols that that we understand and that we share and that allows for us to move into a space where we're um, we're able to pray and and um, and pour water and engage in, in uh, and share experiences that that we both recognize. And then that allows for us to then talk about other things. So we met these family members along the way. And, and sometimes we had tough conversations that kind of, they weren't tough because there's an intensity or, or attention like debating, but tough in that um, we're, we're 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 learning we're having to wade through 
stereotypes that we have of one another and in the course of communication allow for those stereotypes to to fall away for allow for us to name them you know and um and so it's it i guess in that way if if i would contribute to the the, the answering of the question um is that you know this bridging that happens the the deeper level conversations that are able to happen because we've followed a set of protocols that we recognize and that we share Thank you so much for sharing that. So it sounds like it was a combination of um, engaging conversations and coming together to share your own um, practices that bonded you all as from strangers to now, you it seems like family. Um, and mm -hmm. there's, there's still folks uh, uh, still checking, calling, texting, and you know, in touch with one another, absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested in learning more about the outcomes of this journey. It, it seems like you, uh, you know, have developed new family members and new connections that um, continue to be part of your life. And uh, my question is, what are you able to do now that you hadn't before because of this bridging work? For me, one thing is that, um, no, it's having, um, knowing that, after the, this, fir this first journey was the beginning um, and having a set of, of, of tools and, and the experiences and lessons and memories to be able to um, do this year's journey, which will be different. Um, and I think that's a big thing for me because I, I mean, it's, yeah, I think that is, is, is to continue the tools, experiences, memories, and uh, commitment um, that I think is a, are huge takeaways coming out of this first leg. I would definitely agree with all of that and add um, a wider capacity, a greater capacity to love. Mm. Um, there were so many revelations at each of the stops um, because we were also, unbeknownst to us, <laughs> getting some serious lessons for ourselves mm. yes. um, with our own spirit work, you know, with our own awareness and growth and development. And so definitely that capacity has been strengthened and expanded um, with, especially with new family. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would add that part. Did this journey establish a mutual understanding to what is next? We are uh, in conversation about that. Like there's not a definitive, we don't have a definitive answer except that, um, that the work continues and we know that it's not finished and we see the we see this work as important to a climate environmental justice social racial justice fights um, because of alongside um, the work uh, among the many forms of work expressions of work and fights and and 
within movements, there's also um, necessary work uh, around um, prayer and healing and spiritual upliftment, you know, these things that have been so central to this journey ceremony and um, building, strengthening, deepening relationships. In a previous conversation, uh, it was also mentioned that, and you've alluded to it just now too, that you can't do climate justice work without first, or, you know, really come together to, you know, do anything um, without first getting to know each other. And um, we often hear people who come together as coalitions without, you know, for a fight in something that they agree in without necessarily doing intentional bridging work. And I wanna get a little bit more insight from you of why this step was so important in your journey. It seems like the next step for your climate justice work is still being decided, but you have been very intentional about doing this first. Can you talk about why? So much of the way we move is steeped in um, tradition. It's steeped in um, the ways of the elders of the ancestors. Uh, so often what we found with our path was not only were the traditions and practices um, familiar, they often paralleled our cistern. Um, so really honoring that the practices, the rituals, those things that really informed each leg of our work, each stop, each process, each, um, each component of all of the offerings that we provided um, were led in ceremony. And to see our cistern um, in certain opportunities, because there were those shared opportunities where we were in ceremony together, to see the parallels, to see the same things like, oh, wow, you all do that, we do that too. So it was beautiful to see, once again, that it's so much larger than us, mm. um, that this is opportunity to uh, allow ourselves to put egos aside and really allow ourselves to be clear temples and vessels of what's being said and what's being um, needed in the moment. And mm -hmm. then acknowledging when we need to step aside, when we let our personal mm -hmm. uh, ego get too present and having a trust and relationship with one another that is supportive and respectful of what that looks like mm -hmm. has made it such a healing opportunity for us to heighten this way of communication and this way of spirit work that like I said, we just saw in the same ways that our First Nation sister did. Well, uh, would you say that there's um, a sort of a mutual understanding of this path that first step is we get to know who we are. We get to share our story, mm -hmm. how our histories have interconnected and how our lives are still interconnected with waterways. We mm -hmm. all are, you know, we mm -hmm. are all, uh, especially the Mississippi River, right? How many communities rely on that water source? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I guess um, thinking about, is, is this the mutual understanding that this is the first step? And then even though um, maybe the, the next step isn't fully developed that you are all in this journey towards this um, water justice fight? 
Definitely first step. Um, I think there each more than a couple of occasions, several occasions, um, there was genuine surprise by Native folks because we actually wanted to learn. We wanted to be in ceremony. There was genuine surprise. So we were able to dispel some myths um, and we were able to grow with one another um, through the simplicity of, of creating that process where we did get to know one another. Mm-hmm. That we did share a meal, you know, we're mm-hmm. eating, you're cooking. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a major thing. Yeah. Great bread, yeah. you know, and to mm-hmm. be in your home, to have someone host you where they lay their head in their sanctuary and feed you food that they've prepared. So absolutely, that was a really crucial part of the work um, mm-hmm. at each of the stops, you know, to have those relationships was, was crucial to each recurring stop. I wanna jump in real quick too, cause like there are some things that you can just show up for, for certain fights, but, but long-term work and long-term systems change. It's important that relationships are really important in that long-term building work. And so what Nana Karantima was saying, like, yes, taking the time to get to know one another, so critical. That was Nana Karantima Inife Afrie. Thank you so much for your time. And to our listeners, please check out our other podcasts where we discuss belonging and bridging in more detail. For more resources and curriculums on belonging and bridging, please go to belonging.berkeley.edu slash B4B. That is slash letter B, number four, letter B. Until next time.